Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. This is a great podcast that we have today. We're going to be talking about remote viewing, and we're interviewing John Stewart and Maggie Schetz. They approach intuition from a scientific perspective and enjoy working as a team. In 2010, they founded Intuitive Consultants to provide professional remote viewing services and more to individuals and businesses around the world. They are, without a doubt, seekers of knowledge, perpetual students, and explorers of the unknown. They are motivated by a love for learning and together have a deep interest in human consciousness. John and Maggie especially enjoy assisting people to make positive changes in their lives through controlled remote viewing, hypnotherapy, and psychic counseling. Maggie and John have been interviewed by several national talk radio programs, and their successful work has appeared in newsprint and magazine articles. In this interview, John and Maggie share some of their CRV success stories that have reunited families with lost beloved pets and more. Thanks so much for um, coming on to talk with us. Um, We're really interested to hear about some of the controlled remote viewing that you guys have been involved in because we did feature a large portion of that on our second film, Beyond the Physical, with Skip Atwater, who actually was in the military um, dealing with that classified mission. So um, we'd like to hear more about your experiences with the remote viewing. But we're always really interested to find out people's stories and what kind of got them started in this field of work and you guys can take it from there all right well thank you first of all very much for inviting us on onto the show Uh, Maggie and I have been working together as a team with remote viewing now for about six years and what got us started well let's see Um, all my life I've been an amateur astronomer So I've spent a lot of time, thousands of hours under the night sky, exploring outer space. So to me, it seemed only natural that at some point in my life, I'd begin exploring inner space. So I began meditating, and it was like an awareness light switch just flipped on. As soon as I began meditating, I began to have precognitive dreams. And for the first time in my life, this surprised me. What was I experiencing? Why was I experiencing this? I began to dream of people, places, and things that seemingly had no relevance to me. But when I opened up the next day's newspaper, there was the person that I I dreamt of. There was the activity that, that, that was in the previous night's dream. So I began to explore and read as much as I could on all things, uh, all types of psychic phenomena. I gradually gravitated towards remote viewing. Being a predominantly visual person myself, this fascinated me. What was this skill called remote viewing? I read that the military experimented with this over a period of 21 years, invested something like $20 million. Uh, So this seemingly was a scientific approach to the intuitive abilities that all humans possess. And over the last six years, uh, Maggie and I eventually created Intuitive Consultants with the intent of using our abilities to help our fellow man in situations that, in many cases, they would have no place else to turn. Uh, Intuition is a skill that all humans possess. It is, unfortunately, a misunderstood skill. It's a skill that over the centuries has been uh, exalted uh, and has been, people have been executed by by using their natural skills. Uh, Fortunately, we live in a day and age where we don't have to be so concerned about being burned at the stake or anything like that. But there's still a stigma regarding intuition. And we hope that by combining the scientific aspects of intuition with the natural skills that we are, we are convinced that all people have, we can further the awareness of, of humanity. Great. And Maggie, you also have a background in history and some hypnotherapy and hypno-counseling, right? Yes, that's right. I have a separate business where I do hypnotherapy. And uh, it's very different from controlled remote viewing. Um, but I'm, I'm pleased to be able to... Uh, really explore the subconscious mind 
with individuals and see the really amazing types of changes that people can make uh, when they have access to their subconscious mind. I believe that there is some correlation between the controlled remote viewing and, and many other uh, kind of edgy skills uh, with, with the hypnotherapy, although much of the hypnotherapy community may not accept that. Um, for controlled remote viewing, I started after John did, uh, and I'm not as educated as a high of a level, uh, trained as high of a level as he is, but we've, uh, we do work together. I work as his monitor uh, at times uh, where I assist him. Uh, when we get a client call, I'll be the one who'll take the call, and John keeps his targets blind when we're doing control mode viewing. I, I believe that's the way they do it in the military as well. And you, I didn't see your program, but I'm sure that you covered that. But, so when, when a client calls, I'll take the information, but I'll present him with a very simple uh, target statement. So he doesn't know what it is that he's looking for uh, or what he's trying to describe. And then if I work with him, I can ask different questions while he's doing his remote reviewing to help guide him to the information that's most needed for our clients. Great. And where did you guys get your training? John, were you a part of the military and received the control remote viewing training from the military or did you actually go um, somewhere? Because I, I know after it became unclassified that people could go and get trained in this. After Project Stargate was declassified in 1995, Many of the some of the military members struck out on their own and began to teach this method to the general public. Uh, I did not serve in the military, but I have been uh, coached under a couple of different uh, uh, military members, and the bulk of my training occurred under a professional remote viewer from Amarillo, Texas. There's I, I would like to point out first of all that there there is a difference between quote remote viewing and controlled remote viewing. <clears throat> controlled remote viewing is the type of remote viewing that was developed in the laboratory for the United States military starting back in the early 1970s. Uh, it is a highly structured form of remote viewing, uh, scientifically designed by the Stanford Research Institute. The term remote viewing itself is a more of a catch-all phrase that uh, a lot of very talented psychics uh, have began using to describe their work. And it's not to take away anything from the psychic abilities that that people are using, uh, but it's not controlled remote viewing. Controlled remote viewing is a lot like a, a martial art, where you take the psychic impressions that we all are capable of receiving, and we do receive 24-7. Take those psychic impressions and categorize them and put them in order and make a real, um, a, a real uh, detailed report that gets eventually sent returned to the client. While while remote viewing can be broad, general uh, feelings, gestalts, uh, impressions, uh, control remote viewing can be very detailed, extremely detailed. In fact, depending on the uh, the, the target that required the uh, ability of the viewer and the uh, desires of the client. So there, there's a difference. I just wanted to point that out. Do you want to give some background information as to how you do the controlled remote viewing? I know that you gave a, a couple of examples, but you know, what type of clients do you have and uh, why would people want to use this and how are you helping the average individuals? Well, let's see. Uh, I have Maggie and I have successfully used control remote viewing to help people find lost pets, valuable personal items. I've had clients over the years who asked me to explore uh, alien abductions, uh, uh, buried valuable minerals. Uh, there was a court case recently, a gentleman who was involved in a federal lawsuit. Uh, wanted to know some details about that. There was a science experiment a few years ago, a mm. rather well-known oceanographer who wanted to know if control remote viewing could help her and assist her. And uh, as it turned out, even though I am not an oceanographer and I know nothing about uh, 
biology, I was able to assist her not only to describe the experiments that she was currently using, but gave her some uh, valuable tips on how to proceed with that experiment. It's fascinating that remote viewing can and does indeed gather information from, it seems like, any source. And I may not really even know what it is I'm describing, but for the client, it may really hit the nail on the head that, yes, this is exactly right. And it surprises me, even to this day, how valuable control, control remote viewing can be. I understand that today, control remote viewing is used by um, science foundations, some medical physicians use control remote viewing. Some real estate agents use remote viewing. They may want to describe the particular house that their client would be most happy living in, thus saving them a lot of time and money, showing them house after house. Uh, re remote viewing has been used in archaeology, in fact. Uh, there are several um, success stories that I understand has been directly related to control remote viewing. So it's, it's Alexandria's temple was found using control. I believe it was the the temple. Yes, uh, something like that. Cleopatra's temple. I believe it was Cleopatra's temple, buried for centuries under the sands of Egypt, was located by remote viewing back in the 1980s, I believe. So for the last 35 to 40 years, remote viewing has a history of success. Uh, is it foolproof? No. No science uh, practice in fact, is 100%. One only has to turn on the nightly news to, to, to get the weather forecast to realize mm -hmm. that it's not 100%. Whenever humans are involved in any particular activity, there's bound to be errors, there are bound to be misinterpretations, uh, but remote viewing is capable of unearthing and revealing information that otherwise would never have been revealed. And when you do a session, how long does a typical session last? It varies depending on the uh, depending on the topic and and the requirements of the client, of course. Anywhere from I'd say thirty minutes to two hours. I generate a uh, paper report, which gets uh, scanned and and emailed to the client. Well, that takes quite a bit of time too. Your your actual viewing might only take thirty minutes to two hours, but then. Writing the report and all the rest of that is, right. is that, another there's, situation. There's, there, there's some additional time to put it all together, put all the details together. Uh, a, a CRV session could easily be 10 pages of psychic perceptions. That's a lot of detail to put together into some format that the client can understand. <laughs> it's, as I say, far, can be far more involved than many other types of uh, uh, psychic endeavors. And you, you're, uh, you said it wasn't perfect, but uh, do you have a rough idea of like your success rate with, with uh, remote viewing? In general, I've had a 76% success rate in control remote viewing. Um, if, for instance, a uh, baseball player were to suddenly hit 760, uh, he'd be in the Hall of Fame Cooperstown in no time. Uh, I, I think uh, many of the uh, uh, science practices would, would love to be at a 76% rate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you guys like to maybe share the story of the case about Remy that you had shared with us about a toy poodle um, that you had found for a family? That's a really exciting story, um, and, and I, we do like to share that. Remy was the, a sweet little puppy, not a puppy, I guess he was a couple years old, but he generally stayed in the house and out in his own backyard. He had never really gone out into his neighborhood. Uh, and there was an event that happened and the dog wound up running out through the garage and the family put posters up around the neighborhood and people were looking for him and nobody saw him. Uh, and after several days uh, and through a referral, they wound up calling us so I received the information and I gave John the target that um, his target was a location, describe the target. That's all the information he got. And so from there, he did his CRV report and defined it with a map. And in the map, he described the 
location where the target would be found. And uh, it turned out to be really exciting. I'll let John tell you the rest. <laughs> well, this, this little uh, toy poodle, Remy, if I recall, ran away on a Wednesday. And <clears throat> the owners of this dog were very attached. They, they loved this little dog. In fact, they, they were often referred to it as their baby. They, as Maggie stated, put generous reward posters around the neighborhood. They searched night and day, Wednesday, Thursday, even into Friday before they finally contacted Maggie. I sat down, performed my uh, CRV report, handed the information to Maggie, who relayed it to, to the client. Um, I understand an early Saturday morning, following the directions, three days after Remy disappeared, Remy was located. The little dog apparently after running away from home about a mile from his home found an open uh, <clears throat> shed door garden shed. A, a, a garden shed and took refuge inside the garden shed the owner of, of, of the property closed the door behind him not realizing this little dog was inside but by following the details of the CRV report I, I was able to steer them CRV was able to steer them in the right direction that they could call out his name and hear a faint bark from inside the tool shed. You can imagine the owner's surprise at the crack of dawn receiving a, a loud knock on the door. Bang, 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 bring your keys to the garage. <laughs> our, our little dog is in there, three days without food and water. They followed the map, and the thing with CRV is that CRV describes but does not identify things. So. Um, what you and I would describe or identify as a stop sign, CRV would describe as an octangle with lettering on it, with red coloring at a certain height. <laughs> um, so but the, the family used the map and the information that John gave him. They even found John had uh, drawn the map showing a dry creek bed. The family uh, didn't even know that that had been there until they followed it down and, and uh, saw that it was there. And they, they did... Um, just keep walking around the same property, the area, and hadn't found them until they did hear a little bark. Well, that's okay. great. Um, now, I mean, we talk. We like to talk a lot about, um, you know, consciousness when it comes to people exploring the out-of-body experience or with remote viewing. And, you know, I mean, yeah, people can go and get trained for this too, but I know that you know, anybody could probably start to practice this uh, once they understand that, you know, you're more than your physical body. Do you want to kind of give a description or talk about how our consciousness can exit this physical body to go and take a look at these targets and see what it is that you're seeing from more of that uh, energy level perspective? Well, I, I absolutely agree, and I know for a fact that we are more than my physical body. Uh, I myself have had several out-of-body experiences, but in control remote viewing, there, there are actually two schools of thought as to what occurs during a control remote viewing session. Um, there does seem to be at least a portion of myself, my consciousness, that travels to the site. Some people would describe that as an out-of-body experience. For me, I don't really think that's the case. For me, control remote viewing is more of my subconscious mind already knows all there is to know about the missing Remy, for instance, or, or whatever target it is that, that I'm, I'm uh, uh, charged with describing. What I'm doing in my subconscious mind is sort of building a virtual reality, detail by detail by detail. It eventually becomes so clear that I don't have to view anymore. All I do is describe what it is that I'm experiencing. Uh, is that an out-of-body travel? In some definition, yes. Uh, my experience with out-of-body travel is more of a personal uh, experience. Uh, I've read some of William, William Buhlman's works. I, I, I own a number of his uh, uh, CDs. A very, very experienced man. I, I would love to meet him someday. But I do agree that we are far more than our physical bodies. Mm. And this is just a, a temporary shell, if you will, that we inhabit. Mm -hmm. um, 
if uh, I, I think it was on the, on the Monroe site that I read recently that if you expect to die, you're going to be disappointed. We've talked to uh, people at the Monroe Institute and and William Buellman and uh, uh, especially at the Monroe Institute, like Skip, for example, he's told us about what it's like to do remote viewing. And William, on the other hand, tells us about out-of-body experiences. And there are differences. We've noticed, at least talking to them, that there's differences um, where an out-of-body experience, the example I was told is that it kind of brings you to like a, a sports game. And you're sitting in the stands and, you know, there's noise, there's the game going on, there's, you know, the lights and everything. Where remote viewing, it's kind of like you're kind of sitting at home watching one of those slide projectors and you're just getting images, maybe some sounds, um, but you're not there. It's you're kind of like removed from it, but just getting a sense of what's there. Is that is that an accurate description or are you... Uh, I'd say that's a pretty good analogy. Yes, that's that, 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 that's quite 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 a pretty good analogy. The fact that I can sit at home and watch these events and, and perceive these events and describe these events is one of the one of the uh, uh, values of control remote viewing. Is that I can be detached and yet I can provide information at a very detailed level. And I, I will also state that. Uh, <clears throat> Simply, the term remote viewing is a bit of a misnomer because, in in the process of remote viewing, all of your senses are available. Mm-hmm. I've had many targets where I can smell the the site, I can taste the site, I can hear what's happening around the site. There's also a, a hard to describe sense of knowingness that, um, on a conceptual basis, for instance, the the uh, uh, Remy story that we just shared. Words and numbers are very challenging in remote viewing, but there was a knowingness that he was east of their location, and sure enough, he was east. The word east did not appear to me. It was just a knowingness that I know I knew he was east, and I've had many other sessions where all all of the, uh, the physical senses have a psychic sense as well. They're all available during a controlled remote viewing session. So really, the, the, the term controlled remote, controlled remote sensing would probably be a better <laughs> uh, word for that to, to describe the process. And aside from you know helping others, obviously you guys have a client base. Um, how have you used it personally in your own life? Or do you use it? Or is it just something that uh, you give for service to others? But I'm just curious to know if you've taken the advantage of using it personally. We have helped uh, some family and friends on occasion with remote viewing. Um, I don't think we've really, really used it for ourselves. Uh, have we? One of the challenges with remote viewing is that keeping your intuitive mind separate from your logical mind. And so if you know very much about a target, then it's more difficult to have uh, an unbiased report. So if you have, um, you know, if, 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 you, if you're doing it for family, if you're doing it for yourself, uh, it's more difficult to keep it uh, as a blind target. And that's the most, the easiest targets to do are blind targets because the tendency is for our mind to want to make a whole picture. Once we get a little detail here and a little detail there, oh, it's red and it's shiny. Oh, it must be an apple. Well, it could be a fire truck, you know, but we want to put those, those little hints together and build a picture. And the more we know about something, the harder it is to keep our conscious mind from building that picture. So we don't use it an awful lot personally. Um, we, I guess we've used it for a few things, but... But Maggie does bring up a good point that the real uh, aim of control remote viewing is for the conscious and subconscious minds to communicate together, to to begin sharing information. Most people live their entire lives and the only way they experience their subconscious mind is through dreams or in a hypnotic state. Control remote viewing is an extremely valuable tool to know yourself. You're going to be with yourself for 75, 80, maybe 100 years if you're lucky. You might as well begin to make friends with yourself. <laughs> Your whole self. Your whole self. And you were, you were talking a little bit earlier about um, 
the out-of-body experience and stuff and, and how control remote viewing works. And my feeling is that the subconscious mind is part of our whole self and the physical experience is just a small facet of that. All of the things that our subconscious mind our, our subconscious mind is, is able to access all things, all information. It's just a matter of learning how to walk those paths, how to get from here to there. I think all information is always available at all times. It's just a matter of us learning how to achieve it, how to perceive it, and then how to translate it because right, yes. I don't believe it's presented to us in the linguistic form that we're familiar with as you know humans but it's presented more in symbols and, and concepts and, and, and so and we pictures. have to translate it into some kind of format that could be understood it, it, it really is like learning another language the subconscious mind speaks in pictures and symbols uh, and concepts while the conscious mind speaks in words and numbers and, and sentences uh, very logical to get those two to communicate is really like uh, creating a third language, and that's where control remote viewing really comes invaluable. It creates a link between the conscious and subconscious mind. So for those people that are starting out, maybe they're very beginner remote viewers or they're listening to this podcast and they had never heard of remote viewing before, do you have any tips or ways that people can begin to practice this just in their own homes to, you know, see if there is any accuracy or if they can pick up on, you know, a couple of things or, you know, get some friends to play with and put mm -hmm. a, a target in an envelope and they, you know, aren't seeing anything. But how would you guide someone to begin this process? That's a good question, April. Um, I would advise anyone listening to this broadcast that if they're really interested in, in opening up to their intuitive self, first and foremost, begin the practice of meditation. It's only by learning to quiet the chatter of our conscious awareness that we begin to make contact with our subconscious. The subconscious generally will not come banging on your door and with, with, in the middle of the night with, with uh, a loud message, generally. Though it can sometimes happen. Most of the time, you really have to quiet your conscious awareness to begin to open up that door to your subconscious. So meditation, I would say, is a key to begin the entire process of opening up to your intuition. Now, as far as remote viewing is concerned, uh, <clears throat> describing up pictures in an envelope can be a terrific uh, uh, experiment. Maggie and I, I actually teach a psychic development class, and we've had fun showing individuals how easy it can be to describe a, a photograph in an envelope. Simply go with your gut feeling, the first impression that comes to your mind, and describe what it is that you're seeing. Don't identify it. Identifying is the, the work of the conscious mind. You want to describe if something is red, shiny, uh, hard, soft, write that down and then open up your envelope. I think many people will be surprised at just how easy it is. Uh, aren't there some online practice targets that people can access? Yeah, I think there is. There's a couple websites. At least I think I, they could probably Google for yeah. that. And yeah, it's like a random card generator. And, and they, frequently yeah. CRVs targets are, are given a number so that um, you might have like a six digit number that you would start with when you're doing it. So, so you would just write down the number and then write down the perceptions based on what questions you wanted to ask. We would ask questions like color, size, shape, texture, uh, and then just try to see as, as those questions pass through your mind just what answers bring themselves to your awareness. Again, those, those, those cues are all uh, descriptors for the subconscious mind to, to provide an answer to. Uh, the fact that the subconscious mind speaks in pictures and symbols has been known for centuries. In fact, uh, uh, the East Indian scholar uh, Patanjali wrote about this 2,500 years ago yeah. in, in, in a collection of sutras. He described very in detail uh, meditation, advised meditation, he advised listening with your eyes and ears in a descriptive manner, not with a conscious mind. Actually, one practice that we do when people begin remote viewing is to develop their sensitivities. 
And so there's something we call an ambiance exercise that can help you just be more aware even of your own surroundings. Um, can you describe that better than me? I think almost anyone in, in your listening audience can recall a time when they've walked into a room after there's just been a heated argument, for instance, and many people can relate to, oh, what just happened here? It just feels different. You walk into a grand cathedral, for instance, and you can feel the ambiance, the, the, the spiritual reverence of a cathedral compared to some other uh, location that you might be in. Just become aware of your surroundings, first and foremost. So you can become aware of your surroundings. You can also learn to do some descriptions. So if you pick up the nearest book to you, what does it feel like? Uh, is it smooth? Is it rough? Uh, what does the texture feel like? Is it warm or cool or neutral? Does it have a smell? And, and apply some descriptive terms to that to um, help you develop your descriptive vocabulary. And any room you walk into, just start to get a feel for what that room feels like. What does your own living room feel like? You can just imagine that in your own head right now. You may be in an office right now. But for a moment, just imagine, what does your living room feel like? What do you feel like when you sit in your favorite chair? And there's a certain uh, ambiance that goes with that. And, and just become aware that when you're in that environment you feel much different than when you're sitting in your car in traffic or when you're waiting for a doctor's appointment. Each of those environments have a different feeling and we're aware of them but we tend not to pay attention. Part of learning to do CRV is learning to pay attention to those things. Exactly. Uh, learning to pay attention is a huge part of psychic development and control remote viewing takes that to a, I would say, master level of just being aware. Do you know if, and I don't know if this is, if you've experienced any of this, if diet, you know, what you're eating it may affect this ability at all? For me, um, generally, I have, since I've become more in, uh, intuitive and used my intuitive abilities, I've shied away from red meat, for instance. I have taken better care of myself uh, uh, physically and, 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 and dietary. Um, less sodium, less processed foods, definitely. Uh, in general, if, if you feel better and have a higher energy level, you're going to perform better uh, with your intuition. Uh, it's sort of like creating a high-performance machine. You know, if you want to yeah. do well on a racetrack, you're going to put the best gasoline in the engine that you can. And so I think as we take care of ourselves spiritually, we take care of ourselves, of our bodies, more and more with care. And it's, it's not an overnight process, but moving away from processed foods, I, you know, that's got to be a drag on your system. And if it's a physical drag, it's going to translate into an energetic drag, for, in my opinion. Although, surprisingly, um, you know, even when I ate an absolute crap diet, uh, <laughs> I still <laughs> had particularly interesting abilities at times. So it's not a, an across-the-board statement, but... Uh, I do believe that if you take care of your physical body, you're, you're going to have a better experience spiritually. Now, do you guys have um, any idea, you know, when you hear about remote viewing, you would think, well, how come there's not a job description posted at, you know, at every police station and, um, you know, well-known positions that people can train for for the FBI? Because you would think that, uh, you know, you'd want to hire some remote viewers to help you to solve cases and crimes. So do you know how common it is for... Um, you know, the FBI now, since this whole thing has been declassified and, you know, maybe local police stations, you know, do they hire remote viewers? Um, are you finding that maybe these are positions within, um, you know, the field now that really still to this day aren't really spoken about? Um, any ideas about that? Well, the, the FBI, as, as you mentioned, <clears throat> definitely has used re control remote viewers in the past. It's not well known. Uh, the Washington, D.C. sniper case a number of years ago was, in fact, helped uh, cracked by control of remote viewers. I'm not sure the FBI would give credit to a bunch of psychics, quote-unquote. Unfortunately, there's still a stigma out there regarding intuition because it is so uh, misunderstood. That's what, one reason why I applaud uh, Michael and April for 
for the PATH series here, yeah. helping to introduce and bring to the mainstream that intuition is not the fearful stigma that we may have grown up with. Uh, so in answer to your question, yes, the FBI has indeed used uh, controlled remote viewers. The Patty Hearst case, in fact, uh, also used remote viewing. Uh, and there's a lot of it that we just don't even hear about because, right. like John said, they're not going to... Because there is still, in some ways, a stigma. It's not let on. One thing that has assisted uh, the legal profession with using remote viewers is the creation of a database. So professional remote viewers uh, have an opportunity to put their work into a database. So they do targets, and then their targets are graded on specific attributes. And some remote viewers are much better at certain areas than others. So um, they may be very good with colors or numbers or uh, other, other types of information. I know in the, the DC sniper case, one of the challenges was providing the color of the vehicle. There was a lot of information, yes. but <clears throat> the number of the remote viewers put down the wrong color. And by using a database, we now can identify, okay, person, you know, A is almost, you know, 90% accurate with color. So when we're looking for a target, we can say, okay, person A, you tell us color. Now, person B, we know you're good with times and dates. Person B, we want you to tell us about that. And then person C, you're really good with identifying personalities and characters and what people look like. So we want you to describe the people that were in the vehicle. And then by using the database and identifying people's strengths, we're able to have a, a better presence in that type of environment. Can you talk more about that database? Like, is it somewhere where people, people, remote viewers are actually logging their accuracy rates, or is this something that's accessible online where, you know, the legal system where people would go and say, oh, you know, we know about this remote viewer and let's let's call them up. Right now, it's pretty uh, uh, individualized. There's no national date database. If you're describing that. Just there are uh, a couple of sites that I could refer uh, potential clients to uh, if they had uh, a need. Yeah, a, a, a need. Of course, Intuitive Consultants, uh, the company that Maggie and I uh, formed a few years ago. Um, there's a company called the uh, Husick Group, based in Seattle. I think Seattle, Washington State. And she keeps the database. I have worked with uh, that group previously as a team of remote viewers. They're in Ohio, the a group called Aesthetic Impact by Teresa Frisch. I've worked with her as a group of remote viewers. Those two I have personal experience with and I, I would have, have no qualms as, as well as ourselves and intuitive consultants to uh, contact and assemble a, a group of remote viewers who could provide some really detailed information. And you said your your accuracy was about seventy six percent. My or, personal accuracy, yes. Okay, that I think, if I remember correctly, the military back in the when it was classified, I think it was only like eighty percent. So you're not that far off from the military uh, stats, but. There's that 20-25% that isn't accurate. Why, why do you think there's it's it's a challenge to become more proficient at it? Uh, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but... It's very time-consuming. Yeah. It is time-consuming. Uh, it's, uh, as I say, it's, it's an intuitive science. It's cutting edge. We are developing a language between conscious and subconsciousness. Um, there are, are many factors involved in that remaining 20-25%. Uh, the, the time of day, the phase of the moon, uh, um, the, the, the type of the object uh, or the target itself may be somewhat repulsive to the subconscious mind. There are individuals who are very skilled at, at locating uh, lost people who have unfortunately came to a less than desirable end 
it takes a certain individual to describe such details, <laughs> for instance. Uh, a lot of people, and I think myself is included that, I probably would not be terrific at locating a, a corpse lying in, in, inside a river, for instance. But other people might be very skilled at that. Well, and each viewer is, is, in my opinion, limited by their own strengths and weaknesses, where uh, someone who is afraid of heights as a, you know, a, a natural person, doing a remote viewing that required them to perceive heights, it's, it's actually very likely that they simply would pass over that piece of information. They would describe everything except for the fact that you're 200 feet in the air. Um, and, and we're limited by ourselves as humans, by our own strengths, by our own weaknesses. So, but that's where the databases come into play. And so we can, we can find out what our weaknesses are and continue to work on them, which is something we do uh, as a practice. If someone is not great at identifying water, you know, they can identify the boat and identify all the people on it and the purpose for the boat and where it's going and miss the whole point that it's surrounded by water. <laughs> that happens. Um, then, you know, what we'll do is, is work on water targets. Work on targets that force us to describe water in all different forms until we become familiar with working with it and have a better success rate in that target area. Practice, practice, practice is really another key to developing any type of skill, whether it's uh, shooting hoops with a basketball, uh, a singing, or in remote viewing. Practice, 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 day and night, and uh, <laughs> and that's where, unfortunately, I, I think a number of our, our own students in our psychic development course fall a little short. They, they tend to think it's a bit easier than that, or it should be easier than that. Well, it, 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 unless you're a virtuoso, uh, no, it, it's, it's not. It, it takes a lot of practice. Do you find uh, that there's patterns when doing this? Like... Um say you see like blue dots or something and that oh i see blue dots last time that meant it's raining or or uh, you know you see uh flowers oh it must be in a garden somewhere or you know it, 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 it is there a pattern sometimes or is it a different type of experience every every time uh, uh patterns symbols uh impressions like that do develop over time, which is terrific because you're, that means your conscious and subconscious mind are really beginning to, to communicate. You're beginning to become aware of, oh, blue dots, for instance. Uh, last week, that meant that. So this week, it probably means that. Your conscious subconscious eventually learns this new language. And it's, it's, exactly. it's, it's a terrific uh, experience to begin to know yourself uh, that intimately. I definitely recognize patterns. If I see one thing in one target, if I see it again in another target, uh, it frequently has the same meaning. And like John said, it's like learning another language. Uh, that word always going to mean the same thing. It may have different nuances, but it's going to mean the same thing. Now, a blue dot might actually mean something different to another person. Just because your blue dot means something to you, it may, 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 may mean something completely different to another person. So it's very individualized. No two people think alike. No, no two people will actually perceive psychically alike. Okay. Yeah, you kind of just answered my next question. <laughs> how, how, how it's psychic. Yeah. Well, it's how it, you know the, the symbols and the patterns vary from person to person, how somebody would read it different. But, yeah, you answered that pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, April, did you have anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I guess probably before we wrap up is I know that you said that this is a pretty time-consuming process, but on average about how many remote viewing cases do you guys get a year and where can people find your information if they would like to contact you for a remote viewing session? Well, our website is intuitiveconsultants.net and that's intuitiveconsultants.net and our phone number is 717-340-2121. As far as our clientele, uh, we are always open to more clientele. Uh, it has uh, improved over the last uh, six years uh, as more people become aware of the science and skill. Uh, 
but we are always eager to help those individuals who, uh, in, uh, for instance, Remy's case, and I could cite several others who really have no place else to go but to a professional intuitive or a professional uh, control remote viewer. That We're of- often somebody's last stop, too, which is sometimes a challenge if it's a lost pet. If, it, if it's a lost car keys, it's maybe not so bad. But if you're a lost pet, it's tough to put a last stop. Yes. Uh, because if, when we do get animal targets, I tend to put them. If, some, if I have a client for John to do a control mode viewing, uh, say it's a, a location of an object, you know, and then someone calls me and they have a missing pet, well, I really need to put that at the top of the list. So we need to get on that right away. Um, I don't know exactly how many targets we do a year professionally, um, but, but, but we, we really try to just do one at a time to focus on one, uh, not to, because of the time constraints, you know, everybody's waiting for their information right away, and we still have day jobs. So. <laughs> I wanted to ask, too, have you ever had the, the, uh, the experience where somebody calls and says, oh, I lost my car keys, like you mentioned? Did you ever, before you hung up the phone, you got the answer like instantly, like, oh, it's it's in the back room in the closet? Or, Not by yeah. using controlled remote viewing, because controlled remote viewing is a, is a specific process that takes a amount of time. Secondly, yes. Yes, it, it, it can be done. It has, we have done it. Uh, as, as you develop your intuitive skills, there's um, sort of a, a bleed over effect that once you focus on one psychic skill, your other psychic skills become more enhanced and tuned. So yes, you, you can. Uh, we can receive a phone call. We have been able to describe, well, I'm getting the impression that your key car keys may be such and such and such and such. And lo and behold, it, it's often there uh, without doing a full-blown... But that wouldn't um, be considered CRV. No, it would not be considered right. a control remote brain process. But uh, uh, we also advise our, our, our students themselves that don't be surprised if your dreams start becoming precognitive. Yeah. Don't be surprised if you're perceiving uh, what you think may be a voice from your late Aunt Sally, for instance. All of your uh, intuitive abilities, including mediumship, do seem to become enhanced. They become in tune. They become sensitive. True. Very okay. true. I was trying to just... See, from that question, if you know if your other abilities got enhanced after practicing remote viewing for so long. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They do. They do indeed. Actually, as okay. as far as car keys, uh, we had an interesting uh, control remote viewing client uh, a year or so ago from a published author who had lost her flash drive. This flash drive contained several manuscripts, un- undone manuscripts. Well, a manuscript and a half. A manuscript and a half, unpublished. Oh, wow. And this was her only source of, uh, of uh, storage. She didn't have it backed up, so she lost this flash drive. She gave Maggie a call, frantic, desperate. Uh, her, her editor was waiting for this book. It was due, due quite soon, and she had lost this flash drive. I sat down and performed the control remote viewing session, described an area of her house with a west-facing window, a piece of black furniture, a piece of white furniture, and then interestingly, I really felt that this flash drive was carried off by a non-human biological animal of some sort. Very tenderly, I described, tenderly. And I'll let Maggie just pick up the rest of this story. Well, John created the report, and uh, I sent it to her the next morning, and she called me and said that it didn't make sense to her. And that's not really unusual because... You know, we've we've learned to better describe to people what they can expect in a report. That we don't always tell them exactly where they're. You know, we're not going to give an, an address, but we're going to describe something that should be familiar to them. But she said that um, she didn't have a piece of black furniture in her house. That she had never bought a piece of black furniture. Therefore, we could not be right. Now, it's true. Sometimes. We get colors wrong, but, you know, you have to take the whole picture together. But in this, John had described a westward-facing window. And so as I was discussing with her, I said, okay, well, did you, you know, go to the room with the westward-facing window? And so she felt that it couldn't possibly have been there because that's on the second floor. And she knows that she lost this flash drive on the first floor. So anyway, 
we had our discussion and then she hung up and then she called me about a half an hour later and she decided she had nothing to lose so she went up to the room with the western facing window and as she turned around and looked she realized that there actually was a a built-in washstand in that room. There was a, a bathroom on the other side of the door, but there was a washstand in that room itself. And so she followed the rest of the directions, the black <clears throat> piece of furniture and the white piece of furniture, and she got down on her hands and knees, and there was the flash drive she was looking for. And she called me back, like I said, a half an hour later, and, and very, very pleased uh, that she had found it. But surprised because she said, well, I never did buy a black piece of furniture that was uh, already installed, permanently installed when we purchased the house. So um, it was just a matter of following directions uh, and, and putting the pieces of the puzzle together. CRV is about putting together pieces of a puzzle. And the flash drive actually arrived there on the second floor next to the black piece of furniture on the second floor because her 19-year-old toothless cat decided this was a nice little cat toy. <laughs> and that's how it got there. The, the author was so flabbergasted uh, and so pleased and so grateful that she included Maggie and I in, in her next book. In, yeah, in the acknowledgments. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it was great to you know, meet you guys and talk about remote viewing. And uh, I, You actually do a lot of other stuff that we'll have to get you back on and talk about in the future. Thank you. That'd be great. We, we, we'd enjoy that, Michael. And thank you, April, for inviting us. It's been a terrific afternoon. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at com or send us a tweet at the past series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.